Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today's Q&A is almost solely focused on nutrition. We dive into quite a few nutrition questions today. We talk about uh, shift workers and what you can do to combat the the battle you have with your circadian rhythm, the stress levels that are placed on you by being a shift worker, and what to do with your training, nutrition, and supplementation in order to still see progress with that. We talk about reverse dieting, but not from a caloric perspective, from a cardio perspective, and exactly how to do that. We discuss G-flux, which is the process of eating more and doing more to change your physique, which is different than the typical eat less, move more. Uh, We talk about negative experiences I've had in the business world over the years. We talk about mini cuts. We talk about calories not being completely equal all the time. We dive into quite a bit about flexible dieting, nutrition, training, and a little bit of business. So you're going to get a ton of different information, all applicable on this podcast. Grab a notepad, grab a pen, get ready to take notes. Um, You're going to learn a lot in this. And before we get into it, I do want to give a couple quick announcements before we start the show. The first one being that you can help me grow this podcast. That's actually the number one way we grow this podcast is by you leaving us a five-star rating review and or sharing it with a friend. So whether you send it to a friend via text, via email, on Snapchat, you post it on your Instagram story and tag me so I can share it too. The point being, all I ask for you is to share the word, spread the message. Uh, We are trying to grow this more and more because all we want to do with this podcast is help people understand how to change their body completely free and you can help me do that and be a part of the movement as well. The second thing I want to bring your attention is just about our online coaching. I don't talk about this enough, but that is truly what powers not only this podcast, but the entire tailored coaching method movement. It powers our mentorship. It powers our membership. It powers our client base. It powers uh, all of our teams. We have a whole staff that is solely dedicated to training and nutrition. This is all we do full time. So I want to pass the extension and the invitation over to you to apply for our services if you are in need of help. If you are confused, you need guidance, you need support, or you want to finally see a physical transformation, you just don't know what to do to get there, please click the application link in the description of this podcast. You'll get a free call with us so we can troubleshoot your problems, help you set some goals, and make sure this is a good fit for you. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the Q&A. All right. Um, Have you seen uh, the Kevin Hart skit where he's talking about his his old uncle driving the car? And he's like talking about old people starting their cars. No. And he's like, every time you get in the car with them, they sit down and they got to make sure all everything's good. And they're like, all right, got that set, seatbelt on. Oh. And he's like pointing at everything, making these noises. Whenever you're doing all this shit, that's exactly what I think of. Oh, good. Got this plugged in. This is set up. Over here is set. Ready to go. All right. So we got another uh, Q&A today, guys. Friday. Got lots of jam packed. Yeah, questions. There, there's a ton of questions. All right, so the first one, I believe, is from... No, it's not. It's going to be from S. Murray 32 it says, what are your thoughts on reverse dieting? However, instead of increasing calories back up to maintenance, if a client has increased energy output to such a high level th- through formal cardi- 
cardio and neat without manipulating calories that you keep calories as they are, but t- taper down the energy expenditure instead in somewhat of a quote unquote reverse cardioing way. Would hold on. There's a little bit more too. Would you think that body composition changes and overall results be the same scene as you are still just manipulating the energy balance equation or would G flux uh, play a role if that in that you'd likely look better maintaining the higher output but bringing calorie up to match it. Like, shut sh- 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 up. Yeah. done yet. <laughs> um, that's a long Good question. Answer you. This, this actually is just like a small section of the conversation I had with this guy on uh, Instagram. We were like going. I literally sent him a voice memo because I was like, I can't answer this in a DM. Like I have to just walkie-talkie you what I want to say. Um, which... Like I always say, uh, shoot me a DM if you guys have questions. I want to chat. I want to talk to you guys. Um, I haven't done that in a while, but I always say like to open invitation. Ask me your questions because I either A, bring them on the podcast, or B, I answer them in the DM and bring them on the podcast like I did for this guy. We sat there and had a discussion, and then I said I would bring it here because that was originally why he asked. But um, just to paint some context too, like G-flux is a term that if you're a nutrition coach and you're not familiar with it, I would look it up. It's an interesting topic. It's an interesting idea. Um, G-flux is essentially the relationship of calories in versus calories out. It's kind of like this balance of what you put in, you put out kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, John Berardi made it pretty popular and it was like a way to recomp. It was almost like this is how you build muscle and burn fat at the same time. Or this is how you increase calories while still losing body fat. And the way you do it is, and this is why he said uh, just continually increasing output while increasing intake that's essentially what you would do. You would slowly but surely eat more and more and more calories. And as you do that, you're doing more and more work. So maybe you're doing more sprint work. Maybe you're doing more lifting days. Maybe you're doing more of anything. But as you eat more, you have more energy to do more work. And this, that's what this G-flux is. Now, mm. you can decrease G-flux, which means that you're eating less and doing less, which is more of like a sedentary lifestyle. Um, but typically, it's like we know that fat loss usually comes from eating less, doing more, but you can achieve that by doing more, eating more essentially is what they're getting at. I think it works better for maintaining lean body, uh, lean body fat levels while improving strength, muscle, or performance versus being a strategy to use for fat loss like he's talking about. Uh, but it's an interesting topic. Go go research G-Flux. I would type in G-Flux Precision Nutrition, and then you'll see a lot of articles on it, or John Berardi. Um, if you type in G-Flux, you'll get a bunch of like – uh, blue light blocking software. So, cause there's that like flux app or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he's asking essentially is if somebody, if he's reverse dieting somebody, but they are doing so much cardio and they're really not in a big deficit, would I pull the, like, would I pull cardio out slowly instead of adding calories? Um, even though G flux would say, Hey, just add calories. You can, you know, maintain leanness. I would because I think when you're doing so much cardio, it's just not adherable. Yeah. You know, like if, if we're going to use G-Flux as a way to stay lean and build muscle by doing more and eating more, usually you're doing more has to be more feasible. So I'm adding more sets in my workouts or I'm adding sprints at the end of my sessions or I'm just adding steps. But like doing full cardio sessions on top of a busy job, on top of lifting, it's just hard to adhere to, yeah. right? So I wouldn't go that route. Um, and we have to remember, even if his calories don't seem like they're in a big deficit, but he's doing a ton of cardio and he's burning a ton of calories, he's still in deficit. He's just in a deficit through energy output. Yeah. So if we are accomplishing the deficit through energy expenditure, 
it's the same physiological response. Like you're still going to metabolically adapt. It's just that your calories don't look super low, right? But your body's still in that position where hormones are getting running down. Metabolism is slowing down. Your body's adapting to the cardio you're doing. Your, your maintenance intake is, is lowering essentially, but in a relationship with cardio versus food. So if we go into a diet and we're eating 1500 calories for an extended period of time, our maintenance calories are going to lower, you know, like as we go, it's metabolic adaptation. Um, the same thing happens if we're eating 2,500 calories, but we do more and more and more and more cardio. Now we adapt from the cardio. So we actually need all that cardio to maintain that intake and that weight. Gotcha. So it's, it's different, but it's, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's different, but same, same or same, same, but different or whatever they say in that movie. Um, He's going to move the interview? Yes. Um, so what I would do is I would reverse cardio out because I think it's just not feasible. And mm-hmm. I would try to keep his calories where they're at if you can. Um, and then you won't have to reverse his calories. You just slowly but surely remove cardio. I usually do it by like 25%. So yeah. like if he's doing four days a week of an hour, pull one cardio session out, mm-hmm. wait a couple weeks, pull another one out, wait a couple weeks, pull another one out, wait a couple weeks, so on and so forth until he's not doing any extra cardio. Um and if he starts gaining weight because his intake doesn't match up with his energy output, then start adding things to his actual training program versus adding like long steady state cardio sessions. Like yeah. he's doing a competition, you know, cause that's yeah. just timely to just take so much time for sure. But so Are, I think that, I think that answers the question. Yeah. It, um, I'd like that you, uh, expanded. That's not the right word. Elaborated. Elaborated. Yeah, Elaborated yeah. on G flux. Cause that's what I think the main point there was. All right, next question comes from Tristan Winters. What are some tips from night shift worker, nurses, et cetera, when sticking to a nutrition plan? Some tips. Circadian um, rhythm. Yeah. Uh, let's put a note to link uh, the Chrono Nutrition blog and the Circadian Rhythm blog in the show notes because we wrote blogs on these topics. Um, it's so hard. Like I, I almost hate getting shift worker questions because a lot of times I'm like – like, what's the best option? Get, get a new job. Get a new job. Because <laughs> it's just so brutal. Why not go over well with a lot of people? Yeah. yeah a lot of people can't do that. Um, You're trying so to help uh, the pandemic? No, I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing I would suggest is changing your training schedule. I think uh, a lot of people just continue to train as they train. But if, if you have these night shifts and you're doing shift work, you should be resting from the gym on the days that you're working. Yeah. Because that's the only way for your body to catch up from a stress recovery perspective. So train on the days you don't work and work on the days you don't train. Pretty simple. Even if that means you're training four or five days in a row and then you don't train for two or three days in a row, depending on how the night shift works. Or if it's like you work every other night, then you're training every other day. Like Either way, try to offset that um, as much as you can. Um, I also would, if you're trying to achieve fat loss, I would probably follow a carb cycling approach like a cyclical approach where you're in a deficit on your non-working days um, because as a nurse being shift working you're not sleeping as much stress is higher and you're walking around the building constantly yeah so your energy expenditure probably will be just as high as a training session except it's going to be harder to adhere to it because of the stress levels and the lack of sleep so if, if a deficit is 1,700 calories and maintenance is 2,000, I would probably have your three or four days of shift work at, at 2,000 calories, and then your deficit is at 1,700. Gotcha. Um, 
that way you're you're still accomplishing a weekly deficit, but you're just using the days where you can control more, you can sleep in more, you can train, you can kind of have more motivation because you're not like stuck in work all day. You can use those as your deficit days. Now, some people would argue it's easier for me to not eat so much at work because I'm just go, go, go. So there is an argument for that. Um, either way, I like a carb cycling approach or an approach where we're taking regular refeeds because I think just physiologically speaking and from a stress management perspective, you need to get out of the deficit more regularly to combat that cortisol fluctuation because you're sure. going to have fucked up cortisol levels. Um, if, you're, if your circadian rhythm's off, if your sleep patterns are off, your, your cortisol levels are going to be all out of whack. And we need cortisol levels to be functional in order for us to wake up on time, go to sleep on time, melatonin to click, kick in, exactly, so on and so forth. Um, so train your tra- change your training schedule. Um, I would probably do some kind of cyclical approach, whether that's a weekly or a daily carb cycling, calorie cycling, refeed cycling um, approach and just trying to optimize your stress levels. And then the rest, honestly, like the tips are really just, um, actually one more big tip is, is sticking to predetermined eating windows no matter what. So let's say... On a normal day, you wake up at 7, you eat breakfast at 8, and then you eat at 12, 3, and mm-hmm. 6 p.m., right? You have four meals a day. On your shift work, even if you're working till 3 in the morning or 4 in the morning or you're working overnight, try your best to keep that schedule as much as you can. Um, even if that means like, okay, maybe you sleep in the next day later or whatever it may be, but you're trying to have four meals spread out that specific amount of time and then have that overnight fast even if you're awake for most of that fast because you're at work um because circadian rhythm is determined based off sleep and eating patterns and a little bit of training but eating patterns more than anything yeah so if you can stick to an eating schedule you can try to manage your your circadian rhythm a little bit while all your work is trying to fuck it up basically um and then the last thing is just lifestyle habits like really working on um, this is where like blue light blockers might actually be beneficial. I know we just did a research review saying that they're actually not that great, but, um, in situations where people are sleep deprived, it's, you know, like the benefit for, might, a no- might help, like relaxation. Yeah. And the benefit for an average person was 15 minutes of better, more sleep, which is like so minuscule. But if you take somebody who's a shift worker, who's already got a fucked up circadian rhythm, would that increase to 45 minutes? Yeah. And if it was 45 minutes, it's three times more or even a half hour. That actually matters. Yeah. Because there are studies showing that a, a 30 to 60 minute nap actually improves stress levels, muscle growth, all these things totally. quite a bit. Um, so things like that might be considered meditation, um, taking a contrast shower or bath before you get in bed so at night. So like hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, and then jump in bed. That's proven to help your sleep level uh, better. Um, so there's like all these little weird tactics, right? Like moving the screens and, and stuff like that. Like trying to do those little things that are kind of like woo woo, mm-hmm. you know? Um, even like I take, uh, like I take like Rishi and Chaga mushroom extracts at night because they lower anxiety levels and help you sleep and help you calm down and stuff. And like, that's like a kind totally. of like a hippie ish thing, yeah. but it works. Yeah. And like wh- those kind of things, ashwagandha, all these like ad- adoptions, they help. So like, why not? Mm-hmm. Um, I also do it because that guy that I had on the podcast. Um, so you've been doing it for like three days, three days, but <laughs> uh, actually not the Rishi, the Rishi I already had. I was mm-hmm. doing that. I added the Chaga and then I added lion's mane and cordyceps in the morning, which, which Damn. are like nootropic performance, yeah. um, which actually dude, it's like you take a lot of stuff, dude. I take, Cordyceps and, and uh, lion's mane in the morning, which you are both shit your like. Brains out or? <laughs> oh my god! I know they're good for you, but geez. No, dude, it's uh. So those two work help your brain 
productivity, kind of like Ascend, nootropic, yeah. right, from Legion. Um, but it's through mushroom extract. So this stuff doesn't have it in there. Yeah. So I take that in the morning, um, and then I take Ascend in the middle of the day to keep that going. Dude. And then I take the Chaga and the Rishi at night, which helps me calm down and sleep. Um, and the Rishi also has CBD and something else in it, too. It's from Cured Nutrition. Shout out to Joe Joe Sheely. I think it goes by Joseph. But um, their company's great. They sent me some stuff. Oh. Um, but no, I don't shit my brains out. And I uh, <laughs> I, I feel I feel good, dude. Good, like, man. Since taking that shit in the morning, I was like, man, I'm like fired up and on point. Like, it feels good. It's a placebo? Uh, Maybe, Maybe, but a placebo I love, I love works. Placebo. Yeah, yeah, dude, I'm all about placebo. Yeah, I'm taking an empty pill and it works. <laughs> There's no harm done. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then I take shit. I mean, I take vitamin D, fish oil, multivitamin, uh, that gut health from Legion. I take a lot of shit. Yeah, um, I can't even remember to take that much stuff. I have a I have fish a, oil and creatine. Is I have an me. organizer. Like I'm 80 years old. And yeah. It's like all the holy moly. Yeah. Got to pop them up. One for AM, one for PM. Um, <laughs> on midday. <laughs> no, just AM and PM. You just uh, said that. Yeah, well, this one I just keep at my desk. Oh. Shout out to Legion. Um, uh, but uh, I would do those kind of things, like adaptogens, mushroom extracts. Those things help a lot. If you uh, – you guys haven't heard yet because the, the podcast hasn't came out. Um, I, do you remember his name? I'm blanking on his name. The mushroom guy? Yeah. Um, no. Not yet. He owns realmushrooms.com and he owns uh, a company that supplies some of the biggest like mushroom chains. Because mushrooms are like a big thing right now, like Lion's Mane and Rishi, yeah. all these things I'm talking about. They're in these products from other companies for nootropics and sleep products and stuff like that. This company supplies the majority of those in the country. Um, and then realmushrooms.com is where... Chilton. Jeff Chilton. Um, he's like the OG. He's been in the mushroom game. <laughs> he brought mushroom supplements to the industry before they were a thing. Wow. So, like, he's, like, he was super knowledgeable. Really fun conversation. To what industry? Uh, the mushroom industry, I okay. guess. I don't know. He worked on a mushroom farm in Olympia wow. for 10 years. Wow. It's, like, one of the largest ones around here. Mushroom Now he's farm. in Canada, um, and he owns a mushroom farm in China. He owns one here. Owns one. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. Um, but, uh, yeah, he sent me, like, a voucher for a bunch of free products. So I was like, let me try all this shit. Yeah. And I've been loving it. So. That's cool. Yeah, you guys will hear the podcast in the next couple of weeks. Um, but I would I would recommend doing those things. Lifestyle habits, stress management habits, sleep habits, uh, supplements that are adaptogens to help manage stress. Any 1% thing you can add in to just give you 1% boost, it's going to help. And it's going to add up. Yeah. That's it. Nope. That's cool. I'm, that's really uh, interesting. Mushrooms. I would, yeah. I'm not a big mushroom guy, that's but why, like, it doesn't taste I, like mushrooms, does it? No, it's just, it's like literally like a supplement. You just okay, take it, yeah. yeah. Um, and I've had mushroom coffee where yeah. they have linesman and, and doesn't, you can't taste it. It's fine. Um, some of them actually taste good. But, um, but yeah, you were like, you're having a mushroom guy on the podcast? The fuck? I, well, I, I mean, get it. You can, you can relate it to nutrition. It, and like you did, you know, yeah. if it's in a. I don't think you realize how many like supplements, supplements. Yeah, yeah, there you use go. mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about like spiritual mushrooms too sure. at the end. But. You have to. Yeah. I had to bring it up. Yeah. Because I was like, I got to imagine you know a little something about that too. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. And he was, he, I mean, he shared his experiences and he was like, talking about it was cool. Cool. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the next question is from Brittany. What are some negative business experiences you have had and how have you made them teaching moments? Job mm-hmm. interview. That's a good question. Um, negative. Jo- so. 
Negative job experiences? That's what some business. Business. Okay, I was like, I was thinking. I said job interview. Yeah, you that's the question that you yeah. get. Yeah. Um, but it's good. I was like, man, I, work, I had worked some shitty jobs before I was a trainer. But um, no, I think uh, literally one that comes to mind is investing in the wrong places. So like I remember investing in uh, uh, somebody or their company essentially to, to build out like a funnel, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like they built out this big like funnel for me. It was like through ClickFunnels and – it was supposed to be like a challenge. It was like a 30-day challenge. I was going to go in this upsell and had this course, like all this stuff. Um, and it just tanked. And it was just, I was trying to, I, I basically listened to what this company said works in marketing without like thinking about my own audience, my own niche, like who go. I am as a coach. And I paid a bunch of money and it, it didn't return any investment whatsoever. And the lesson mine, it was like, honestly, was not rushing your business development. You know, like at the time I was still fresh and new and I wanted to throw money at something and make it like grow. And it doesn't work like that, you know? So I had to go back to my roots and build it organically, go back to content, go back to what I knew people wanted. And value and trust doesn't come with just paying it off. Exactly. Yeah. Um, creating content over time slowly builds value and trust in people. And when I have value and trust from people, they will hire me yep. as a coach or my team as a coach. And that takes a long time, yep. you know? Um, so that was a big lesson for me. Uh, I think another one would be like uh, business relationships, mentors, things like that, that I've had in the past um, that didn't end well. Yeah. Uh, not like super negative, but didn't end the way I would want them to just because I think that, you know, I think sometimes there's transactional relationships and that can be kind of hard because the second you stop paying somebody, they don't give a shit about you, you know? Yeah. And that, that's, that's a tough lesson, you know, because it's kind of, it can be a surprise at times, business. You know? but it's business, you know? And in yeah. part of you is like, I can't blame you. Like that's, that's your business. That's why I hired you. You know what I mean? But at the same time, it's like, I mean, I, I've, I had this conversation with my guys, uh, when we were all sitting at dinner and like, I don't give a shit. Like how long you're with me, where you go, where you go, when you go, whatever, I'm going to support you. Like, I'm always going to be interested in your growth and care about your growth. Like I have clients that worked with me on a training and nutrition front and clients that worked with me on a mentoring front that I still talk to yeah. that. I mean, Paul was just here the other week. Yeah. I haven't worked with him in a year yeah. and he came and lifted and we hang out like, yeah. because I think like, number one, that puts a sour taste in people's mouth about you. But number two, that's not why I do it. Yeah. You know? So I think that's, that was the lesson for me is like, how do I want to treat people? How do I want people to like, how do I want people to feel? And I don't want them to feel like it's a transactional relationship. You know, I don't give a shit if you pay me or not. I'm gonna love you regardless. Right. I want you to pay me cause I want to help you more. And I want you to have more access to me and do all these things for you that I can do. But, um, so that was a big lesson. Um, and I'm just understanding transactional relationships. Cause you know, like as you grow in business, you meet people who, I don't know if leverage is the right term, but like, they're not like really, really good friends. Yeah. Like you think they might be like, they, they want to leverage you. Yeah. And you know, sometimes like it's smart to let them leverage you and to leverage them back, you know? And I, and there's times where that, that happens in business, you know, cause it's like, well shit, man, like I can help you, you can help me, let's do it. Um, but other times you almost just feel used, yeah. you know, you feel like you're just being leveraged. Um, 
which is, I mean, but at the end of the day, you got to keep your circle tight, you know, like who you're, who you're truly close with, who you're truly friends with. Cause I do have some really good friends in the industry, um, that I talk to all the time that never try to leverage me at all. Um, and then positive ones that we leverage each other and we're open about it. Mm-hmm. Like, like me and Jordan Duggar, we purposely leverage each other all the time. Like he has a group of people that he works with and I come in and help whenever I can. I have a group of people I work with. He comes in and helps when he can. Cause we understand that we both have something to offer, Definitely. you know, and we're really good friends. So uh, but understanding transactional relationships, business relationships was something that was hard for me to learn. Um, but I don't know if I have any, like, it's hard for me to point out any other bad experiences mm-hmm. in, in business. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, there's been plenty of points where I failed or, like, things didn't work out or, um, you know, what the, like, I guess the reason I don't think of any bad experiences because it's very rare that, like, something tragic happens or something bad happens, you know, like... It's, I think it's, you made the point of some of the major ones. Yeah, and I think for the most part, the, the negative things I can think of are accumulative. Yeah. So I went through a period of time where I was just fucking smoked. I was just burnt out because I was just working too much. I wasn't present at home. I was thinking about the business constantly to a point where it just consumed my brain. That's all I could think about. And that's not healthy. It's yeah. not healthy to be stuck into something. Um, so that was a battle and a lesson to learn. Um, entrepreneurship can be really lonely. That's another like lesson in itself of like understanding that you're still in control of your surroundings. So like I know for me, like you get so sucked into entrepreneurship when you run a business that it does get lonely and you think that that's all you can do. Like this is I'm here to serve these people. I'm here to lead these people. I'm here to provide for these people. This is all I do. I can't distract myself with anything else. But sometimes distractions of other kinds are are what you need to be fulfilled. Like hanging out with friends like going on a trip, playing fucking guitar, like mm-hmm. things outside of that, you know, that are like, I think for a long time I thought there were distractions. I was like, I don't have time to fucking play video games. I don't have time to skateboard. It takes me away from working, you know? Um, and I think that was a big mistake because it just leads to burnout. Definitely. Um, so those are the, like, in the, I think those are the biggest things, man. Like for me, but see, that's not like negative experiences. To me, that's growing pains. Yeah. It's, I think there, there, there's pr- stages in the process that you shouldn't, evolve those in your life if you're going to be an entrepreneur though yeah like i understand that it leads to grow uh burnout but you almost need to do that in the beginning though yeah and there comes a time you're like okay now you got to figure out where the balance is yeah. since it's i call it uh in the dirt there's yeah. a phase and you're just in the dirt like yeah. i said it to clients too i'm like man you're just in that phase like you don't get weekends off right now yeah like, you just you gotta grind yeah it's just part of it yeah um at a certain point you should systemize to where you don't have to do that because you will burn out um and I, and I think I waited too long to get out of that personally, where it was almost like I thrived off the chaos and I got anxiety in the calm, mm-hmm. which is really weird to think about. Like sitting still, I even, I, I mean, full transparency, I haven't even, you could probably relate to this actually knowing you, I, I, I have struggles with this sometimes at home on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. We're not doing anything. I don't have to work. I'm like, we got to go get some. We're going to go to the store. Do we need to go get some? Do you want to do like your work on the yard? Like just anything I can yeah. think of. Yeah. Jen's like, why don't you just chill? Just watch TV and just hang out. Like what's, what's me? That's boring. <laughs> you, but to me, like I should be able to be like, okay, let me calm down. Or should and want is different. But, I could. I don't want to. So, but it could be like, so to me, it's, it's, I have to be productive, but sometimes productivity doesn't equal like, it isn't actually what you need. And so what I mean by, like, just sit around, like, play a game with Blakely. T- 
teach her something. Yeah. Take her on a walk. Yeah. Right. Versus like, I need to work. I need to build something. I okay. need to talk to clients. I need a program. I need yeah. to work on the yard. Cause then I can feel like I'm producing something. Um, and I think you get in that like production loop. Yeah. That's which I think That is productive. Productive though. Yeah. Sitting on the couch watching TV is not. And that's boring no, to me. No. Um, but I will say too, some of the best, like when I can like just like when I can sit down and Blakely just lays her head on me and we're just watching fucking something random. I'm trying yeah. to get her into Scooby Doo, but yeah. she doesn't like Scooby Doo. Dang, that was my favorite show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, she doesn't like it so far. But if I when I can actually just calm down, like lay down, and she just lay with me, like it is like a good moment, you know, just to For like sure. just breathe and just chill. And then when you go back to Who's produce, off? you're you're on fire. Yeah, you know, you're doing well. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any other bad experiences. It's just all. It's just all like growing pains of of learning how to manage the chaos in my head and the chaos in the business and the development and the people and just a lot of moving parts for sure. You know? yep. So, have you ever tried to find the lab results or the qualifications behind the supplements you're taking? Probably not. In fact, it's pretty hard to find because the supplement industry can be a shady place. And it's really hard to do background checks to find out where the, the, the products and the ingredients are sourced and see if there's any lab tests publicly available online. But the cool thing about Legion is they give you all the information you can possibly need and provide you with content around education for training and nutrition outside of the supplement industry. So they'll teach you how to improve your body without their product, but they'll give you a product that supplements that to help benefit you and get better results along the way. Not to mention they're on Labdoor, so you can see their rankings as one of the top supplement companies for purity and quality that is on the market. I cannot recommend them enough, and I've been recommending them to clients, members, uh, my friends, my family, everybody for years. I've been using them for years. And now to have them as a podcast sponsor is pretty damn cool. So if you enter your promo code BOOMBOOM, you'll save 20% on your first order and start collecting points. You can also head over to buylegion.com slash BOOMBOOM. Now, without any further ado, let's get back to the podcast. We'll go to the next question from Jonathan Owings. Says I am planning on doing a six month bulk. What do you think about mini cuts? If yes, how long and how often? What do you think about mini cuts? If yes, uh, if you're for them, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, not not a huge fan to be honest with you. I don't actually don't like mini cuts at all. I think that the most productive transformations happen when we just spend time trying to gain and we and conservatively. So don't just bulk yeah. like. Have you ever heard the term dreamer bulk? I don't know if I've ever said it. The dreamer bulk was like, like most, if there's any bros listening to this, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Dreamer bulk is basically like, all right, I'm on a mission to gain weight and you will just eat whatever's in sight. Yeah. You lift heavy and you just fucking eat. And it's, and it's a dreamer bulk because it's fun. You can just gorge every day, but you just get fat. Yeah. You know, it's not very productive. So I'm a much bigger fan of saying like, okay, we're going to spend eight months nine months, maybe even a year, gaining at a very slow rate, right? Like set some performance goals, set some powerlifting goals, set something that's going to keep you like engaged in the gym and just slowly but surely just gain muscle mass over time, slowly but surely. And then when you get to the point where you're done gaining, your body's not responding anymore, you, you, you're just ready to cut, go into a deficit, yeah. spend time cutting. Um, the only time I ever recommend a mini cut is if that is your plan and you just overshoot your, your maintenance a little or your surplus a little bit. Or let's say like 
you're in the middle of a gaining phase and you go on like a, a, a four week trip to Europe and you come back like six pounds heavier and yeah. you didn't even lift cause you were there. Like I would be like, Hey, let's, let's spend four weeks mini cutting, you know? Um, and at that point, then we can get back to the bulking because you just kind of, you, you just pull back just so you can kind of get yourself in check, right? You just like pull back enough to where you kind of trim off that fat that you gained when you're on your trip and you get back to the, the bulk. But the, anytime you come out of the gaining phase, it's just time away from building muscle. And, and a mini cut is not going to get you very much progress besides just shaving off a few pounds. Mm-hmm. So it's really like, it, it's, it's almost used best as like an insecurity bandaid. So like as sense. somebody, I've used it with women more than men where they're, they're, they're in a lean gaining phase, they're in a reverse diet, they're at maintenance and they get to a point where they're just kind of uncomfortable. They gained a little bit of weight. They're, they're like really down on themselves. So I'm like, Hey, let's go through a mini cut three to six weeks long, cut carbs. Usually what happens is they lose some water weight. So they do tighten up a little bit. They feel less bloated because they have less food in their stomach. Um, and then they're happy with what they see in the mirror. Right, because a lot of times they're not even really gaining fat; they just have a little bit of water storage, and they're eating more food. So their like perception of what they see changes. Yeah. So I pull them into a mini cut. They feel better mentally, psychologically, and somewhat physiologically, and then we just get right back to the the gaining phase. Right. But it wasn't really a mini cut. It was really just slashing carbs so you can get rid of bloat, which is usually how why I structure it. But I'm not a big fan. Um, if I had to give somebody a mini cut. Um, it's, it's anywhere between three to nine weeks, nine weeks being like the absolute most, I would say usually like four to six weeks is ideal. Yeah. So Hmm. good. So, all right. The next person, Jesse Sadler, I don't know if these come from Instagram or Facebook everywhere. So they're from Facebook, Instagram, and the form that's in the description of this podcast. This one's from Jesse Sadler says, I understand the calorie in calorie out theory. And how not all calories are the same. However, if my goal is fat loss, I'm watch and and I'm watching macros yet still hungry. How detrimental if I default to fruit and and or veggies veggies as an extra snack? For example, I would think eating an apple, even though it's 25 carbs a gram, is still better than a bag of chips. Mm. That's a good question. Yeah. Um. You would think, like I mean, it's so hard because because theoretically speaking, like if you just go off intuition especially if you don't know much about nutrition like there's a bag of chips or an apple and they both have the same amount of calories what do you think is going to make you fatter bag of chips yeah apple's healthy not the case it's calories in versus calories out so if you have a snack whether it's an apple five sticks of broccoli or a donut if it puts you into a surplus you're going to gain weight mm-hmm. um, or you're going to stop losing weight because maybe you add calories and it's just maintenance because you're in a deficit or whatever. Um, but unfortunately, you can't choose un- or you can't choose healthy things to go over your caloric balance and it work out for you. It's just it's just not the way it works. Um, however, what I will say is I'll ask you this. How many times have you uh, opened a bag of chips or like a thing of like cookies or something and you've had like multiple like you just keep kind of going? Or like salty nuts, trail mix, anything. Anything like snacking. A lot. You just keep going. Yeah. Right? It's really easy to just yeah. keep eating. Um, how many times have you ate three peaches in a row? Dude. Not very often. Three apples. Yeah. Three bananas. Three pears. Anything. Right? Yeah. Maybe not three berries because that's easy. But yeah. you know what I mean? Like 
Because you get satisfied. You set three plums in front of me. <laughs> gone. Really? Plums and apples. Oh, easily. You love plums? Love plums. Oh. Easily. Damn. I don't remember the last time I had a plum. I'm not oh. a big plum guy. Dude. Your mom have a plum tree? Nope. Oh. We had a plum cupboard, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just say it. I had so I still, every time I go to the grocery store, I get plums. Anyway. That's crazy. Um, I'm a berry guy. But yeah. I could eat blueberries and strawberries all day. I mean, day, not but three, but I've... A lot of the time, I'll have two apples or two plums. But, like, theoretically speaking. I understand what you mean. Very rare. Very rare, right? yeah. Um, and, and I would even say it's probably less rare for you because you don't eat fruit that often. Yeah. So, like, when you have fruit, your body's probably like, yeah, give me more. Yeah. You know? So, um, but the reason I say that to people is because uh, they, there's calories and there's empty calories, right? So, your calories are going to equal to your balance and you're going to gain or lose weight or maintain weight based on the total number of calories. But empty calories are calories that don't really satisfy your nutritional demands, right? So cookies, chips, there's not a bunch of vitamins and minerals in there. There's not a bunch of fiber. There's not a bunch of protein. So you're basically just eating calories. <laughs> you're just, yeah, it's salt. It's crunchy salt. Yeah. It's just in, in trans fat usually. It's, so you're eating calories with no serious benefit that's going to satisfy your nutritional needs or your digestive needs. An apple has a lot of vitamins and minerals. It has a good amount of fiber. Um, if you have a meal with chicken or anything that has protein. So it has all these nutrients in it that's going to satisfy you. So you're less likely to keep eating because it gives you what you need. I get my calories. I get my fiber. I get my vitamins and minerals. I'm good. I don't need to keep eating. Chips, things like that, we're almost like tricking the body into eating more because we keep eating, but we're not getting what we need. Totally. So we just keep going and keep going and keep going. It's kind of why, like, to an extent, it's almost easier to just go cold turkey, right? Like, if you want to, like, being flexible with your diet is important, but if you're too flexible, it will be extremely hard to keep. hit your macros because you're just so pulled to keep eating junk food. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's tough. And for parents, it's fucking really hard. Because, like, Shannon will, even, like, uh, she made Blakely, uh, you know what Kodiak pancakes are? Yeah. So, they're, like, healthy. They're protein and stuff like that. But they're still high calorie and high carb, and, you know, you can eat a ton of them. Yeah. And uh, she made chocolate donuts out of them with like some like yogurt foshing or something like that. Cause mm. we got Blakely legendary donuts Yeah, and we got to this one. It was called the Tinkerbell and it has like sparkles and everything. Now, every time we get in the truck, Tinkerbell, go get a Tinkerbell. No, we're not giving you another donut. <laughs> so like sometimes I'll come home with them just cause it's like, she just has this huge donut. Yeah. It takes her like an hour, oh <laughs> but, uh, hour to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You take this. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, but, that's, uh, but like, I, I see those at home all the time, like things like that. And I'm just like, fuck, I want that so bad. Or like Blakely loves baking cookies. She loves like acting like she's helping mom. Yeah. Like, so there's always cookies and I'm just like, fuck. but I know if I eat them, I'll just keep going. Yeah. It's so hard to stop. Absolutely. It's like on Halloween, we dumped out our candy and I was like, oh, I'll have a piece. Six pieces later, I'm like, fuck, I just keep eating them. Yeah. They're so damn good. <laughs> but, uh, so it's sometimes it's easier to just kind of go cold turkey just yeah. cut it all out just just focus on whole foods that's why like it's like you know, that with a lot of things yeah yeah 100 percent. diet root beer dude you know what's crazy about diet <laughs> just, root beer? i was i just said that but i mean soda like same yeah, thing 100 percent. so addicting so soda is a good one because there's diet soda so you can at least switch to that and not have all that sugar and extra calories that make you fat you shouldn't have a ton of artificial sweeteners yeah but realistically there's no science to prove that you shouldn't mm. i mean you'd have to drink a full like 18 pack of diet root beers for it to even affect you negatively in a single setting. Like yeah. it's very hard. Um, but dude, there's a, a Coca-Cola has an aluminum shortage. So they're cutting out certain products off the shelf. So there's no diet root beer anywhere. Wow. Dude, 
Hagen's, Fred Meyer, Safeway, Albert's. Like, I literally, what? we looked everywhere. That's my only pop I drank. Wow. That's interesting. It's gone. So we Googled it. I was like, where the fuck is this diet root beer? And there was an aluminum shortage. So they cut off, like, the products they don't sell enough of. Diet root beer was on Damn. the list. I was pissed. I'm trying to think of where you could go. Like, I don't know. I Trader Joe's or, like, what's that? Tacoma Boys. Maybe. You got to try Tacoma Boys. Tacoma Boys is good. They have Absolutely. a lot of great stuff there. Um, but, yeah, dude, that's how I went at the beginning when I first started trying to lose weight. I just cut out a bunch of shit. Yeah. And, you know, like, I'm not, like, a, a paleo advocate or, like, a super restrictive advocate because I think that you need flexibility. But to me, flexibility means, like, once a week, loosen up, have a good dinner with a beer. Yeah. You know, like, something like that. Just chill. Um, I was going to say, because you don't want to just keep going. But, I mean, you have one beer, you usually want multiple. Um, but... To that extent, it's easier to control. Totally. You know, like, I think where you're trying to, like, fit junk food into your day-to-day diet constantly just because you know you can and still lose weight. Yep. Just makes it so hard, man. Like, it's just not worth it. So, I think that answers. I don't even remember what the original question. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The calorie. Yep. Calories in, calorie Yeah, out. I think that answers it. All right. So, the next one is from, wow. Samantha Sizdiak. Sizdiak. I'm really interested in the mentorship program. How can I register? Mm. Mental, um, huh? Mentorship program? Uh, the I, I'm assuming it depends what you're what talking you mean, about. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and we'll next week it'll air. We're gonna record a podcast after this one talking about the mastermind that I just did. That mentorship group is uh, it's restricted to specific people just because it's it's. You got to have a certain type of business. You got to be in a certain place in your life. You got to want to have personal development in certain areas. Um, uh, you have to be a, a male entrepreneur and you have to fit into the crew. Like I made an agreement to the guys, like nobody gets in this without like them being a good fit for this group. And there's only a, there's a maximum capacity in there. But if you're talking about the mentorship course with the ah. team, that's what I figured she was talking about. Uh, that will release in January. So we're going to launch that in January. I think day one will be the first week of February. Um, so pretty soon here, like I would say like December, you're going to start hearing about the next launch and we'll start putting it out there. Um, there is a wait list. Uh, we can put a link to that in the show notes. Okay. There's a wait list to get in. Um, if you, if you pay to be on the wait list, that, that payment goes towards, um, your, admission for the thing um so i think it's 250 bucks and then it locks you a spot in um, and that applies to your your initial payment cool um but uh that'll be in january uh it's a the course is going so well too so we're we're adding things to it so it's just going to be bigger and better um and have more value in it so super excited about that uh stay tuned and when we're ready come on in if you're a coach it's great for you 12 weeks 12 weeks, nine modules, three quizzes, three educators, uh, nine presentations, live group, Q&As every single week. Dude, last Q&A, there, uh, it was like an hour and a half long, just like going off. There are just so many questions in that group. So you get a ton of value in it. That's for damn sure. So cool. stay tuned. All right. So next question comes from Carrie Nunnally. First, I am doing my... Fr- First off, I am doing my first reverse about three and a half months in and I have already gained about four to five pounds. I also started taking creatine a couple months ago. My measurements have stayed the same. I don't think I am 
at my estimated maintenance calories but don't want to gain more as I still need to lose fat and plan to do another cut in January. However, I want I want to get my calories up so I have a better place to cut from. So what's the question? I'm not sure. Uh, how do I know if I've hit my maintenance? What How, how much weight on average is usually gained in a reverse? Mm. Oh, yeah, because I separated it. Cam. There's more to it. So if you want me to keep going. I'll answer this one first. Okay. Um, how do you know when you hit your maintenance and how much how much weight should you possibly gain? Yep. Um, how much weight you should gain depends on uh, how lean you got in the first place. You know, uh, I've had people, like let's say somebody has 30 pounds to lose. And if they lose 30 pounds, they'll be like pretty lean, mm-hmm. but not like shredded, not anything crazy. During the reverse, I don't really expect much weight gain at all. Maybe a couple pounds. Uh, unless, I mean, we have to remember too, like every one gram of carb holds three to four grams of water. So if you're, if you add 200 grams of carbs into your diet, you could, maybe you don't gain a single ounce of fat, but you're going to gain a lot of water, but the water is probably going to be stored in the muscle glycogen in your gut because you have more food. Um, so it's not bad weight, but you will gain, you know, four or five pounds. Uh, and then there's the person that if they lose 30 pounds, same scenario, but at 30 pounds loss, they would be like completely shredded stage ready. They're going to gain 10 plus pounds Mm -hmm. in a reverse because they got to a level that's unsustainable as a human being. So I think it really depends. Um, I think weight can fluctuate more than people realize when you're lean. I mean, I think about like my last cut, I got down to 163 and then I built up to 184, 20 pounds, 21 pounds. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. And then I'm going to cut right back down to 163, you know what I mean? Like, and hopefully be bigger this time. Um, But that's a huge swing. And when I was 184, nobody was like, damn, you're getting fat, you know? Because, like, but that's that's how much, like, a lot of that was probably just water and food and glycogen. So um, I think four to five pounds is normal uh, for people who who got pretty damn lean. Um, I don't like to see more than that. But I've also, I have seen more than that in some situations because we have to remember too, hormonal processes are also ran by stored body fat. So even if you reverse your calories, if you're too lean, your body won't start acting normal again until you put some body fat on your body, which mm-hmm. is where people get pissed and they yeah. don't want to hear it, you know, but that's just the reality, especially females. Um, it's even more so for them. Uh, as far as like when you reach your maintenance, uh, usually it's when you just feel better. You know, like you should know what your old maintenance was too so you can kind of have that contrast there. But if your old maintenance was 2,000 and you lost 20 pounds, you're probably not going to be at 2,000 calories as a maintenance anymore, yeah. right? Because you're lighter, yep. plain and simple. Um, the only way you could get it back up to that 20 or 2,000 calories would be that G-flux topic of like, okay, well, you got to train more then. You know, you got to do something with the food you're putting in if you want to eat that much. Um but maintenance is usually found when you're close, like you're within range to that old maintenance and you're actually feeling better now. You shouldn't have problems with sleep. You should have your menstrual cycle back if you're a female. Um, you shouldn't be overstressed. You should be progressing in the gym. You shouldn't be under-recovered. Um, things like that. Yeah. Like you should have normal functions. Uh, the like checking for signs of low metabolism is always smart. Things like brittle, uh, brittle hair and nails and skin, dry skin, cold fingertips and stuff like that like we talked about in that one podcast um those things can tell you if your metabolism is still a little run down so those things should be improved by the time you get done with your reverse totally she has more to elaborate on it says also i've been working really hard at building muscle during maintenance and just started having shoulder issues about a month ago finally went to pt and they say i have an impediment 
and say and should lay off arm weights until it's better. Problem is most most all exercise involve lifting arms. I'm gonna try to do legs three days a week and lay off arms for a bit. Any other advice? What would you do? Uh, yeah, the good thing is like an impingement isn't that big of a deal. It's not something that's gonna be like super detrimental to your mm-hmm. your strength in the future. Um, but it's there, and uh, if you have any issues, like uh, if it leads into like bicep tendon stuff or anything like that, that's where you have more serious issues. Uh, but in general, I would probably stay away from overhead pressing, uh, direct like isolation work for your shoulders. So like lateral raises, front raises, um, and any overhead pressing. Uh, some horizontal pressing might be okay. I'd probably go to a bench, or I'm sorry, to the floor for a dumbbell floor press with a neutral grip, versus a barbell with a wide grip or a fixed barbell. You know, you mm-hmm. can't, you don't have the freedom of grip. Um, and then the floor limits your range of motion, so you can pack your shoulders, and you can't go farther than this right on yep. a bench you can hyperextend, and that's where we get that anterior glide of the scapula causing more of an impingement your shoulders roll forward um but the best thing to do is to remove those change some of the the horizontal pressing if you can even still do them if you get any pain there just take those out too just do a ton of rowing like all your your upper body work should just be poles band pole parts face poles lat pull downs cd cable rows one arm double rows like anything for your back yeah you know because pulling into extension or uh even flexion based ones that are pulling back and retracting scapula depressing scapula it's gonna help yep it's gonna improve it totally all right cool um we're gonna go next one is from anita marie says, are the protein requirements that you have listed in the Tailored Nutrition Method ebook the same for someone not working out? How many grams of fat is a good starting point for people that do not work out? Um, the ones I have in the book, which is a link to grab in the show notes if you if you don't have it yet. Um, the the ones I have in the book are for people who lift. So I, I assume people getting the book are, are probably interested in training and stuff like that. Um, those recommendations are higher because they're expected for people who are lifting or are athletic or in the gym. However, it's not going to hurt you. So if yeah. you're sedentary and you have one, you know, I think what my recommendations are from 0.8 to 1.2 grams per pound in there. It's not going to hurt you if you're sedentary. You just don't need that. Yeah. Um, Sedentary individual is fine with 0.8, which is the lower end of the range. You could go lower than that technically, but I wouldn't because it's just healthy to have a higher protein. So I would probably bring protein up to like 0.8 grams per pound if I was uh, sedentary. Um, And then as far as fats go, um, I think the range for fats is kind of universal for people training, people not training, uh, experience, not experience, anything. And it's going to be anywhere between 0.35 to 0.5 grams per pound. You know, the lighter you are and uh, and being a female, you're going to go on towards that higher range of 0.5. Um, being male or being heavier, going closer to 0.35. Um, you, that's like, you could have more if you wanted a predominantly fat-based diet. But at the end of the day, like if you get that much, your, your nervous system function, your hormonal function, all those things are going to be totally fine. You don't have to worry about anything. Um, and then the rest of your diet can be carbs and protein. And that's going to fuel daily activity, uh regenerative processes in the body for tissues and stuff like that, which I think is what I recommend in the book is 0.35 to 0.5 times body weight yeah. in pounds. There you go. Okay, cool. Um, there it is. All right, last one is from Femke. 
I'm recovering from an eating disorder. I struggle the mo- I struggle the most with reducing my steps and getting more rest. I'm scared that I will gain weight by moving less, but I also know that that stress affects my body. Do you have any uh, any tips for me and some tools? Um. Okay. So, the I mean the biggest thing is stop stop walking. Like I, it's so I worked with a client. I'm still working with this client. Um, who was in the exact same position, um, not as much of an eating disorder as it was like body dysmorphia, where they thought they needed to lose weight. Um, he thought he was bigger than he was, and he wasn't, and he was lean, and he didn't need to lose weight, and, but he was afraid to do less or to eat more because he would he feared gaining weight, gaining body fat. Um, and he was doing so much walking every day, like mm. so many steps. So uh, it took a while of me convincing him trying to slowly increase his calories, dropping his training from like five or six days a week to like four or five, like, so like pulling back on training a little bit and like literally cutting his walking. I think we're like cutting half completely. Like it's, it's a landslide. Like I'm talking like 20,000 plus steps a day. Whoa. Dude, I got to like, I, my goal right now is nine thousand. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like me like making sure I get up and walk. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, tons of walking. And it was hard for him, but the thing that he's noticed is he is fuller, so he's he hasn't gained any body fat. He's gained a little bit of weight, but he he's more muscular. He looks bigger from an aesthetic, like a, an appealing standpoint, right? Mm. And uh, and he feels so much better. He's like, my training's going better, my stress is better, my sleep is better. He just feels better, you know. So like, I think it's one of those things where. I know it's hard at first and it's going to take some time, but you got to educate yourself on all the negative consequences of chronic dieting and, and doing too much exercise and having a poor relationship with food or health or, or training or cardio and becoming more aware that that's yeah. not the path, you know? And then once you can change, if you can just believe in the process and trust the process, I would probably hire a coach because it's very hard to do this without accountability. Um, once you go down that path, you're going to start seeing these benefits coming about. You're going to start feeling better. You're going to start improving your body composition without having to do all this work. And I think once you see, like you're starting to reap the reward, that's when you, you can really give your all and do more of it because you can see that it's working. Yeah. You know, for sure. um, but there's no, there's no magic trick. You know, there's, it's really just what we did for him wasn't anything special. It was just me being brutally honest, educating him and, and pushing him week after week after week until he finally started doing it. And then once he started doing it, I really tried to focus on highlighting the wins, highlighting his biofeedback improvements, highlighting his sleep improvements, highlighting his stress improvements, totally. highlighting his muscle growth. Um, and once we started highlighting those things, he was like, I'm about it. Yeah. You know, and then it started, we kept going. Dope. All right. That was the last question. Do you have any announcements that we kind of, Blew through the beginning. Um, no, not today. Okay, no, no announcements on this one. Uh, as always, if you have any questions for the podcast, there's a link in the show notes. Yep. I think it says ask. You did the uh, reviews uh, last yep. week. Yep, I did those. Um, so drop us a question if you have one. Otherwise, it's a wrap. Cool. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more again to get you better results. The second thing, 
head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the nutrition hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.